welcome back everybody to the luke beasley show it is so great to be with you on this thursday i know i've been saying this a lot this week but my goodness quite the show ahead of us so buckle up for that before i dive in uh though i'll forget to do this so i don't do it now we have merch at lukebeasleymerch.com so check it out i'm holding up for our video viewers a mug that has the show logo on it and that's kind of the design of all the merch just simple logo so you can wear it and not be making some big statement or anything like that on my behalf um but right now i got my my mug with some electrolyte solution in there i was feeling not electrolyted this morning if you know what i mean um i don't really know what i mean but there we go get your mug get your t-shirt get your backpack whatever you'd like at luke beasley merch.com very cool what is not cool what is not as fun as that is what we're about to talk about. What I have for you is on a full display, the uh, outcome of a Ron DeSantis or anyone who subscribes to that type of ideology governance and what this ideology leads to, specifically in this case, when it comes to the teaching of history accurately, which is what we should have in schools across the country. But Ron DeSantis and those uh, under his leadership and those who subscribe to his ideology want it a very different way and we have a very extreme example of that today as usa today reports uh desantis's state board of education approves new rules for teaching african-american history and i'll of course give you specifics as to um examples on that in a historic move florida state board of education has approved new separate standards for how african-american history must be taught to millions of students. The decision Wednesday comes after Governor Ron DeSantis and the Florida State Legislature have in recent years, as I'm sure you all know, passed a host of measures restricting how topics such as race and gender and sexuality can be taught in the state, including at the college level. And before I show you some uh, examples of this, often as we start seeing steps in this direction, in the direction of uh, changing the teaching of history to make it less accurate um, and to not properly inform students about history or subjects such as race, such as gender, such as sexual orientation. Um, whenever you initially call out the conservative Republican, this current brand of that ideology, as it begins to do things like this, um, earlier on in DeSantis' career, for example, people will sometimes pretend that you're being hyperbolic. Oh, no, he just wants to make sure that when we're discussing subjects like gender or race or whatever, uh, it's just being taught at the appropriate age and we still want it to be accurate. We still want to make sure students are well informed as they enter into the world. And then people will respond and say, no, it's it's walking in the direction of, and it will lead to eventually just taking out necessary conversations from schools or altering them in a way that is not beneficial. Um, and that's exactly what's happening. That is exactly what's happening in Florida. So here is um, uh, more reporting from Rolling Stone on this. Numerous clarifications have been added to the sixth through eighth grade African-American history strand guidelines. The most egregious one requires teachers to describe the positive aspects of being a slave when discussing the various duties and trades performed by them. Let me re-read that sentence. The most egregious one requires teachers to describe the positive aspects of being a slave when discussing the various duties and trades performed by them. It notes, instruction includes how slaves develop skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. And then um, it continues in another section on acts of violence perpetrated against and by African-Americans. Things get even more convoluted. The guidelines describe uh, how to teach about the growth and destruction of black communities during the Reconstruction after the Civil War, the tragic 1920 Okoe massacre, where dozens of black Americans were killed when they went to vote, is noted as an example, but seemed to place the blame on black people. And as I was reading about the a Koei massacre uh, portion of this alteration to how this is taught. Uh, it did structure in a way that was kind of a both sidesy conversation to the violence. When, if you're not familiar, this was Black Americans trying to vote and that prompting a massacre of Black Americans by um, White Americans, and so. To tell that in a both sidesy way is incredibly dishonest and inaccurate and not giving 
students as schools are supposed to do the information they need to be informed and to enter into the world as an informed adult eventually. Uh, and then I have for you here from CNN some reporting on this. Please table this rule and revise it to make sure that my history. And this is playing a clip uh, and then we'll get to the response from the CNN hosts, playing a clip of an individual speaking out against this. Please table this rule and revise it to make sure that my history, our history, is being told factually and completely. And please do not, do not, for the love of God, tell kids that slavery was beneficial because I can guarantee you it most certainly was not. Thank you. Education and civil rights advocates are slamming new black history teaching standards in Florida. Under the new rules, middle school teachers must now include lessons, quote, how slaves developed skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. CNN's Athena Jones is here on this absolutely bonkers story. Um, these changes are incredibly... Con I don't hear bonkers too much on CNN. These changes are incredibly controversial, obviously, but they're also not correct. Right, it's inaccurate, it's ahistorical. Critics are calling this uh, a big step backwards and saying it's a disservice to Florida students because they're not gonna learn the full truth and the full accurate uh, truth of American history. And this is, of course, the latest development in ongoing debates over how to teach kids about black history. Uh, you mentioned one of the most shocking examples uh, for middle, middle school students saying that slavery was beneficial. It's an odd thing to say about a group whose labor went uncompensated for generation upon generation. Here are some of the other examples we have. We can put them up on the screen of things that are involved in this curriculum. One of them is the teaching of the Okoe massacre. Uh, teachers are required to mention acts of violence perpetrated by African Americans. Similar standards are applied to other massacres, the Tulsa massacre, the Atlanta race riot, uh, Rosewood massacre. And I want to be clear here. These okay, we'll stop it there, but very, of course, accurate analysis there um, from the CNN correspondent. And as was also noted, a lot of civil rights advocates and many others are speaking out against this you have quote these new standards are a disservice to florida students and are a big step backward for a state that has required teaching african-american history since 1994 how can our students ever be equipped for the future if they don't have a full honest picture of where we've come from exactly and it once again highlights both in this case, the damage that will be done to the knowledge of students, but also the correct warnings from mostly those on the left, those who rejected this ideology um, coming from people like Ron DeSantis, that it is just trying to do this. That's what it's pushing towards. And all the talking points that surround it and convince more moderate Americans to think, oh, maybe this isn't so bad. Uh, they were just that. They were just dishonest talking points, not legitimate portrayals of the views of people like Ron DeSantis. And I don't have a list of names for you, but all the people who are involved in the actual mechanics of making this happen. And it is really horrifying what's going on there. And we need to continue calling it out and try to eventually. And it takes work, takes activism, but reverse these actions and then continue us on a course of progress instead of what's going on uh, with the current Republican Party's efforts. You know, I thought that I had seen Marjorie Greene already hit rock bottom, but what tends to happen with Marjorie Greene is that time and time again, I realized there was a lower rock bottom and she hits that. <laughs> and that's what I have for you here. During a recent hearing, relating to IRS whistleblowers, another one of these GOP stunt hearings, attempting uh, political stunt hearings, I should say, attempting to hurt Biden politically and portray this belief they have of a two-tier justice system. We'll get to more specifics on the hearing itself more broadly, but this is a, a story of its own. We have to discuss Marjorie Greene used this hearing on national television as an opportunity to show nude photos of Hunter Biden. Now, to be fully accurate, they were sort of obscured, so there were little black bars blocking out certain places, but still pretty obscene, you could say. Definitely sexually explicit, I would say. The act that is being performed between Hunter Biden and a woman is very clearly uh, depicted there. Second and I'll show you this clip in just a moment. It seems like she 
could have potentially committed crimes doing this. So we'll get to that as well. But uh, the desperate nature of Marjorie Greene's ambition to hurt Joe Biden politically has now led her to showing nude photos of, of uh, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son. And before we dive into the clip, and it'll be really short because the blur, I want to keep the blur on there just for uh, the sake of YouTube. But it kind of popped on and off while Fox News was trying to figure out how to blur this. So I'll just show a little bit where it is blurred. And then if you're interested, you can obviously go find the unblurred version yourself um, if you want to see it for some reason. So uh, Republicans, keep this in mind as we walk through this, have been telling us they're not just trying to obsess over Hunter Biden as a person because true liberals, you're correct that he's irrelevant to our political conversation other than the accusations we're making of him being corrupt um, with Joe Biden because the family member of a politician is only relevant if in some way the politician was involved in wrongdoing or the family member themselves has power in some way. So they are in the administration, for example, like Ivanka or Jared Kushner. So Republicans have said, no, we're not just focusing on him as a person and his very admittedly troubled life for sure. And we understand that, of course, everyone on the left except if uh, Hunter Biden committed crimes as he did with not paying his taxes and lying on a form saying he wasn't addicted to drugs when he was to get a firearm, he should be held accountable for that. In that case, it led to a plea deal very typical deal for those types of potential charges, but any other possible violation of the law on the part of Hunter Biden, hold him accountable. Absolutely. But how is that relevant to our political conversation? It's not unless those crimes involve Joe Biden. And that's the link they just can't make. And we have talked so extensively about this. Even this week, we walked through the way in which these accusations against Biden are just falling apart, unraveling, and the GOP seems to be getting repeatedly humiliated. So within that context, now, I guess we're supposed to believe that Republicans believe what Marjorie Greene here is showing is relevant to Joe Biden's quote unquote corruption or what they're saying his corruption is. And this is, it doesn't even, I'm not even going to give her the time of day of walking through clips of her explaining what her accusations are, but I guess here she's trying to say he was paying a sex worker or something. And that's the context in which she shows these images of Hunter Biden. Um, and so here's just a short portion where things are kind of falling apart and they're trying to wrap this up. Be three seconds over. As long as Ms. Ocasio-Cortez can get equal time, uh, she can keep going. Uh, I, I will uh, let, let uh, Ms. Green. So there it is. For our podcast listeners, let me describe. And for video viewers, since it was blurred, picture this, okay? A nude person and another nude person doing nude person things okay that's what was behind the blur and that's what she was showing on this poster board humiliating completely violating to hunter biden and no justification for that being shown during this hearing and then here's an interesting element of this the new republic reports marjorie taylor green may have sent hunter biden nudes to a bunch of minors there are laws about not doing this. And it walks through the context that we've discussed in her desperation to prove wrongdoing by Hunter Biden. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene may have sent his nude photos to minors. What are they talking about? Well, you can see here she wrote um, in an email to her, uh, I guess the people on her email list, her constituents or anyone who subscribed to the email list and said, see, I exposed Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and all of that with a link to a video where she's showing these images uh, during this hearing. And it says there's no screening for age when signing up for Green's email newsletter. So any minors who subscribe, such for a social studies project or simply stay up to date, have now received nudes from their congresswoman. Now, I'll say again, this reporting is interesting. And the fact that she did this is absurd and vile. I don't on this understand exactly how they would define it being obscene enough because certain aspects of the body were blacked out but it was pretty i would say it was obviously depicting a sexual act it would not be appropriate for uh children so i understand the case that's being made here for sure not sure how the law would weigh on it uh, weigh in on it if that is the case then green would not only have violated her state's revenge porn law which we'll discuss as well but she could uh, also have broken federal laws banning the distribution of obscene materials to minors the person who's accusing the left 
of being groomers because they expose minors to sexually explicit content lies but she says it she's now exposing minors to sexually explicit content pretty wild and the other aspect of this that people are correctly uh pointing out is this to support her argument she held up poster sized prints of biden's nude photos which were taken off his laptop not only were her actions widely inappropriate oversight james uh, chair james comer did not reprimand her obviously though but she may also have violated dc revenge porn law and indeed, it shall be unlawful, this law writes, in the District of Columbia for a person to knowingly disclose one or more sexual images of another identified or identifiable person when it lists multiple options, one being the person depicted did not consent to the disclosure of the sexual image. And you tell me, but I doubt that Hunter Biden gave his consent for Marjorie Greene to show those images now. You have the protection of the speech and debate clause and also when it comes to what happened in the hearing not the emails and also the fact that the image was partially obscured so i'm not weighing in on the legality but clearly vile inappropriate and from my understanding could have been against the law there which is pretty dang stunning and aoc immediately called her out on this during the hearing take a look today also marked a new low when pornographic images were paraded in this hearing room. Chairman Comer, last October, you told Time Magazine that you were not interested in the sordid details of Hunter Biden's life. You were quoted as saying, quote, that's counter to a credible investigation, and I agree. Sadly, that is a reflection of how low some individuals here have been willing to go in their efforts to attack the president and his family, and frankly, I don't care who you are in this country, no one deserves that. It is abuse. It is abusive. She's exactly right. Their obsession with Hunter Biden has led them to stooping this low. Disgusting. And then here's Robert Garcia. Today's hearing is like most of the majority's investigations and hearings. A lot of allegations, zero proof, no receipts, but apparently some dick pics. Right. And no one is saying that Hunter Biden doesn't have a very troubled past and no one's defending him on any potential actions that were um, incorrect in any way. And the question is from the left and from reasonable people, okay, but how is this relevant to our political conversation? If you actually had evidence of corruption and Hunter Biden was involved with Joe Biden in some corrupt scheme, then that would be relevant because Biden has power and he is relevant to our political conversation. So we would want to know if he's corrupt, but time and time again, and again, we walked through this very extensively so many times now, these claims have been so thoroughly debunked. And so now Marjorie Greene and others are left doing this. Now, just Marjorie Greene has done this, but stooping to lows like this, make sure you are subscribed to the YouTube channel. So we just got through talking about in the last segment, the way that Marjorie Taylor Greene played into the house hearing yesterday about the IRS whistleblowers, another one of these GOP organized hearings that didn't go too well for them. And we'll now have a chance to talk about that more broadly. If you're interested, if you're a YouTube segment viewer, you can of course find the Marjorie Greene segment on the YouTube channel, but as has been happening with these Republican organized hearings, things will be uncovered throughout the process of the hearing that directly contradict the very narrative that they're pushing. And it's always a very strange moment. And we have another example of that here where the whistleblowers, as they're being called, seem to bring forward some information that doesn't exactly align with the narrative we've been hearing from Republicans about the so-called Biden crime family corruption and all of that. I'll get to the whistleblower specific grievances and they are coming forward genuinely believing they have actual grievances and then Republicans play their role of trying to bend it into something that it is not. I'll talk about that in a moment, but first to kind of address the overarching narrative and some details that came out of this on that front that Republicans have been pushing about Joe Biden and his corrupt, uh, according to them, involvement with Hunter Biden's business dealings. Well, these whistleblowers, 
are coming forward because they are alleging some wrongdoing or some interference within the IRS investigation into Hunter Biden and his avoidance of paying taxes in certain years. Something we've talked about in the past eventually led to a plea uh, deal that was very typical for these types of potential charges. And individuals, these whistleblowers, as a part of the investigation into Hunter Biden, felt like David Weiss, the U.S. attorney, uh, didn't have full authority over making decisions on the Hunter Biden case and bringing charges against Hunter Biden in particular locations. And what's interesting and why these whistleblowers to me just don't matter that much is because David Weiss, who's kind of the center of these accusations, is saying, no, I had complete authority all as well. He's the one who would have been getting interfered with. And he himself has written a letter to, um, some of these Republicans saying, no, 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 I had authority. I made decisions to do what I did. If I needed to get special counsel status, I could have gotten it. Merrick Garland did not try to interfere because of who Hunter Biden was. No. And so what these whistleblowers are feeling or what they feel like they observed or whatever clearly actually didn't play a role or didn't enough to bother David Weiss, who was the ultimate decision maker on this. And also one of the big claims from Republicans was that Merrick Garland was being called out for lying under oath by one of these whistleblowers, but they themselves um, said, no, Merrick Garland, we're not accusing him of lying under oath about not getting involved in the Hunter Biden investigation. I know some of these can get kind of murky with all the details, but the interesting part of this to me is that as Democrats were kind of asking these individuals questions, we got some information about the connection or lack thereof between Biden and Hunter Biden's business dealings. As New York Times uh, writes, Mr. Shapley, one of the whistleblowers, in fact, also told Congress that his investigation had uncovered some evidence that some of the claims of the elder Mr. Biden's involvement were mere wishful thinking. He told him an interview conducted with Hunter Biden's business associate, Rob Walker, who told investigators that it was projection that former Vice President uh, Biden would get involved in their business ventures. So the associate to Hunter Biden, when asked about this subject, was saying, listen, any statements that were made from Hunter Biden, something to this effect, uh, in the text messages that are brought up where he's kind of talking about, I'm sitting next to my father and he has all these friends and probably was just projection because Biden never actually got involved. That was probably Hunter Biden just trying to throw around his last name to help his business ventures, which admittedly rather annoying and definitely kind of the benefit of having a famous last name and all of that. But the politically relevant part was Biden. Is Biden doing something or did he do something that was incorrect? Uh, Joe Biden, that is. And that is what there's not evidence for. Quote, I certainly never was thinking at any time the VP was a part of anything we were doing, Mr. Walker said, according to Mr. Shapley. And then a little bit of the back and forth I have here for you with Representative Goldman asking one of these whistleblowers a question to this effect. And Mr. Chapley, you also said in your testimony, um, and we've talked about this a bunch, that the agents were prohibited from pursuing leads related to uh, Joe Biden and, and the big guy, um, but the agents did that anyway, right? The, the agents- Interviewing Rob agents Walker. agents interviewed Rob Walker. And they asked him about that, right? The word big- Right, they, they didn't use, use the word big guy, but they asked about it in reference to that, that text. And um, do you recall that Rob Walker actually said in response to that, that he was not aware that Joe Biden was ever a part of anything that he and Hunter were doing. That, that's what the uh, witness said, yes. Yes. And when he posted this clip, Dan Goldman said, not only did today's witnesses once again provide no evidence connecting Joe Biden to any of Hunter Biden's business dealings, they actually have proof that he wasn't involved. Any insinuation from Republicans to the contrary intentionally ignores the testimony of their own witnesses. So as they were, even though they were really supposed to be focusing on the tax-related things when it comes to Hunter Biden, um, 
and not really conducting an investigation into Joe Biden and the connection there. They kind of did anyways, in a sense, uh, and they did look into a potential and they did ask about a potential of a connection there. And in so doing, once again revealed what so many other people have in the past, as we've been discussing this week, a lack of evidence for the corruption that Republicans continue to accuse Biden of. Then, as to the particular claim, as I referenced earlier, coming from these whistleblowers, that David Weiss, the U.S. attorney, and this investigation was impeded in some way because of who Hunter Biden was, again, Hunter, uh, or I should say, gosh, I'm all discombobulated, all these names, David Weiss, the U.S. attorney, denies this. And Jamie Raskin made this point. Mr. Shapley, you testified that the critical moment in your decision uh, to blow the whistle in the Hunter Biden investigation was the October 7th meeting, 2022, that you had with U.S. Attorney David Weiss. And up until that point, you say you were willing to chalk up the differences with prosecutors to the typical, quote, investigator versus prosecutor type thing, which is what I think this is all about. But you say on page 28 of your transcript, if I wasn't in the October 7th meeting, my red line might not have been crossed, and I think you reaffirmed that today. Now, as I understand it, what crossed your red line is that in that meeting, you understood Mr. Weiss to be saying that he did not have the authority to bring charges in D.C. or California without the approval of the U.S. attorneys for those districts. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. But in a letter that uh, he sent to Chairman Jordan in June, U.S. Attorney Weiss stated, and I quote, I have been granted ultimate authority over this matter, including responsibility for deciding where, when, and whether to file charges. He went on to explain that in considering charges in districts outside Delaware, usual DOJ practice would be, quote, to contact the U.S. Attorney's Office for the district in question and determine whether it wants to partner on the case. Now, if that office declined, he would request and be granted authority to bring the charge himself. We'll stop it there. And we did cover that letter when he initially wrote it to uh, Jim Jordan. But the whistleblower there, his red line, as it was called, that went beyond, in his mind, the normal kind of investigator wanting charges to be brought, they uncovered information, and the prosecutor knowing, well, but I would have to actually prove that case in a court of law, and no, I'm not going to bring those charges, I'm going to bring these, or I'm not going to bring any, or whatever. That normal conflict is perfectly acceptable and the complete norm, as was a point highlighted during this hearing as well. Um, that, it was more than that is what this guy was saying because of his impression that David Weiss at some point expressed his lack of an ability to make um, decisions on getting the special counsel status if he wanted or bringing all the charges that he wanted in whatever jurisdiction that he wanted. And David Weiss has since said, I guess if that was your perception, not these exact words, but then you misread the vibes I was giving off because no, I had complete and total authority. And this is a Trump appointed U.S. attorney, who Biden explicitly, even though this isn't the norm, he totally could have gotten rid of him, um, kept this U.S. attorney in place, left over from the Trump administration, to make sure he didn't interfere with Hunter Biden's investigation because he knew it was going on. So keep the Trump appointee in power and don't interfere with that investigation. And still they're accusing of Biden, uh, accusing Biden and his DOJ and Merrick Garland, all that, of interference. You really can't win for trying when it comes to the GOP um, and Democrats. So there's that, yet another unsuccessful hearing for Republicans. Well, apparently Republicans don't want to give me the ability to talk about anything on this show other than the hearings that they're holding constantly because we have another segment about another hearing that was held yesterday um, or today, very recently, within the House of Representatives. This one was the RFK Jr. hearing. Now. It was a broader thing about something, um, but the notable part has to do with RFK Jr. And it was supposed to be highlighting, I guess, his victimhood as someone who's been censored, all the things we hear way too much of. And uh, the Republicans were bringing him forward as a witness to tell his story. Okay, If you're not familiar, by the way, RFK Jr., Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he is running for president as a Democrat for some reason, even though it doesn't really fit. Sure, on paper, he has some technically left of center views, some liberal views, but he is most notable and dangerous for his detached from reality conspiracy theories on various subjects. 
And uh, Democrats were obviously interested in pointing that out during this hearing. And so they would bring up to him, hey, you believe this. And then he would do this bizarre thing. I'll show you this back and forth um, that happened multiple times during this hearing. I'm, I'm trying to think of the term of what he was doing over and over. Lying. That's what it's called. <laughs> he kept lying because he would be just expressed back to him things that he believes and then we'll go i don't believe that and it was pretty wild to watch i don't know why this guy is running for president within the democratic party he really should not be and it just seems to serve as an attempt to threaten biden's candidacy so here is uh representative wasserman schultz pointing out one of the detached from reality beliefs that rfk jr has and him going no i don't have that see that you're trying to rewrite history here. A few months ago, Mr. Kennedy, you compared COVID public health policies to barbaric murderous tactics of Nazi Germany, saying that Jewish people in Nazi Germany had more freedom than Americans facing COVID health restrictions. In hindsight, Mr. Kennedy, do you reject this absurd and deeply hurtful and harmful com comparison, or do you still stand by it? Congressman, what you are saying is a lie. <laughs> I missed that originally, Congressman. <laughs> Come on, RFK. You, you said it. it Junior. It's, it's, I no, I did not. I never contained. Okay. I never, ever Mr. Chairman, I'm happy to answer into the record when Mr. Kennedy said that. I reclaim my time. The energy that RFK Jr. brings forward there, I would never, I have never, would lead a rational viewer to think maybe she's kind of misinterpreting what he said. But indeed, at an anti-vax rally in D.C., I think this was early 20. 22 he said this even in hitler germany you could you could cross the alps into switzerland you can hide in an attic like anne frank did i visited in 1962 east germany with my father and met people who had climbed the wall and escaped so it was possible many died truly but it was possible today the mechanisms are being put in place that will make it so none of us can run and none of us can hide talking about mandates i hate to when people do that and i have more examples of this for you uh when people will make a comparison like that and then pretend like they weren't making a point by making that comparison or by saying the things they said to go you know nazi germany at least there were ways to get this is what he's saying don't clip me there um at least there are ways to get out escape but now there's not going to be any way to escape. Obviously, you're saying it would be even less free and even more oppressed here. That's what you're saying. So when that's said back to you, you are lying when you pretend like it's outrageous that uh, she said that. Then more from this exchange. Still fuels deadly violence today. Yet last week, you floated a baseless conspiracy theory that the coronavirus was bioengineered to target Caucasians and black people, but to spare Ashkenazi Jews and Chinese people. Mr. Kennedy, your bizarre, unproven claim echoes that same historic slander of labeling Jews and Chinese people as a race, and that Jews, and in this case Chinese people, somehow managed to avoid a deadly illness that targets other groups for death. You do see that, yes or no? You're misstating. No, 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 no. Uh, you I, are, quoted, I quoted what you said earlier, and it, it is directly what you said. So just ask me, uh, yes no, or no. I was, I was describing an NIH-funded study. No, 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 you didn't cite any. I was, as, I was describing an NIH-funded Okay, so then he denies that claim. Again, you would think, gosh, Representative Watchman Schultz, why are you smearing this good man? Oh. But there's video evidence. And we need to talk about bioweapons. The level I know a lot now about bioweapons because I've been doing a book on it for the past two and a half years. And, um, uh, and you know, the, the, what we, the technology. I've been reading like a lot of conspiracy theorist blogs for the last couple of years, so I'm like really informed. The technology that we now have to develop these microbes, we have, we've put hundreds of millions of dollars into uh, ethnically targeted microbes. The Chinese have done the same thing. In fact, COVID-19, there's an argument that it is ethnically targeted. COVID-19 attacks certain races um, disproportionately. The, uh, the, 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 the races that are most immune. Okay, then he went on to say later on in a tweet that no he wasn't saying that it was intentionally 
crafted even though he was just talking about bioweapons then he goes to this i was just uh, i miscommunicated that all right but clearly it's fair to say you floated a conspiracy theory there and you should answer for that it is interesting in politics how often the phrase no i just misstated something is used to cover for ridiculous outrageous statements like that well you're really bad at stating things then rfk jr and then he says this i'm not anti-vax what are you talking about inaccurate virtually everything every statement that you just made about me is inaccurate i have never advised black americans not to receive vaccines at one point you say i'm anti-vax and that's a bad thing the other thing the <laughs> other moment you point out that all my children are vaxxed I fact, I'm fully compliant with the vaccine schedule myself, except for COVID. I, I, I took flu vaccines for 20 years straight. I have never been anti-vax. I have never been anti-vax. Quote, I have never been anti-vax. I have never, oh, this was his next quote. I have never told any, I have never told the public avoid vaccination. Okay, I never told the public to avoid vaccination rolling stone writes he has repeatedly insisted that vaccinations can cause autism they can't claim that vaccine research was uh, responsible for the creation of diseases like hiv the spanish flu and lyme disease they aren't recently suggested that some organizations who promote vaccines should be subjected to a corporate death penalty and compare people opposed to receiving vaccines to jews fleeing nazi germany as we already looked at there and that's just a sampling and if you're interested you can find lots of video evidence to support that as well. Uh, I don't know why he even does that. I guess he assumes people will not go fact check it and just believe that all these Congress people are lying about RFK Jr., especially if that fits within their narrative. But it's so easy to realize that he's not being honest. Then you have Representative Connolly making this point. And no matter what you may think, Mr. Kennedy, and I revere your name, you're not here to propound your case for censorship. You are here for cynical reasons to be used politically by that side of the aisle to embarrass the current president of the United States, and you're an enabler in that effort today. And it brings shame on a story name that I revere. I began my political interest with your father, and it makes me profoundly sad to see where we have descended today in this hearing. I yield the balance of my time. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and I do think he's bringing shame to his name, absolutely. And then just to put the cherry on top of his victimhood complex, he says this, that all these accusations are baseless. Uh, I've never heard of Mr. Balls and I've never heard of that super PAC. This is typical of the accusations against me at this hearing. They are baseless. Every single one I've been subjected to a string, a parade of defamations. If defamation. Come on, Robert. I believe those things about myself. I wouldn't want to hear me either. and want to gag me and lock me in a room somewhere. But none of those are true. And they were all, all of this parade of accusations and defamations were made against me in a way that was calculated to make sure that I could not respond to any of them. Every one of them I'd like to respond to, but I was not allowed to. You did respond. You said they weren't true. And then we just showed people that they were true. Lie, 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 lie. RFK Jr., I have quite the suggestion for you. Here it comes. You drop out of the race, please. So we just wrapped up talking about the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. disastrous hearing where he's getting asked questions and posed different views that he has uh, put out there in the past and then going, no, I've never said things to that effect and all these accusations are lies. Well, as this was being covered, Harris Faulkner, a Fox News host, had a moment that is so just cringy and embarrassing where she thinks she's making this nailed it point just mm, drop the mic point responding to something that was said during this hearing 
but is definitely not making a nailed it <laughs> point and is not saying something that justifies just dropping the mic and it really just oh, it got me and so i have to show it to you all and it's on the subject of freedom of speech because this hearing was about censorship and rfk jr complaining about being censored a point was made by a democratic congresswoman asking one of the witnesses a question about how everything uh, has limits every right that we have has limits that's obviously true and one of the examples she cites prompts Harris Faulkner to make a point very confidently that was very, very unimpressive. Things I learned very early on in constitutional law is that no right given to the people of the United States is absolute. And that includes the right to free speech, because you do not have the right to shout fire in a crowded theater because it could produce harm and death of people by being false. These social media platforms have user policies to try to prevent that kind of harm. Is that not correct, Mrs. W Ms. Wiley? So that is correct. Democrats so there, like Representative Sanchez, are trying to... Oh, just get ready. Get ready, okay? The point that was just made by Congresswoman Sanchez, exactly correct. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater is the phrase that's used to describe the reality that you can use your free speech to do certain things sometimes that can cross the line because they cause enough harm to no longer be protected by the first amendment including lying to a crowd of people saying fire and getting a big stampede going but harris faulkner points something out <laughs> take a look to lay out a case to discredit the witness of rfk jr and of course they're doing that with my sorry i know y'all want to see this but rfk jr discredits himself perfectly fine on his own discredit the witness of rfk jr and of course they're doing that with maya wiley uh civil rights attorney there also ran for office here in new york city and worked for um one of the liberal media outlets as well as a contributor what's interesting there though and i'm sure she is a, a great attorney sanchez but you do have the right to yell fire in a theater unless there's no fire it's pretty simple the way the law works we're going to move on. We'll dip back oh, in. Oh, did you see the pride that she felt saying that? Watch it one more time. Sanchez. But you do have the right to yell fire in a theater. Yeah. Unless there's no fire. It's pretty simple the way the law works. <laughs> We're going to. That's not the point that was being made, Ayers Faulkner. True. If there's actually a fire, you can yell fire in a crowded theater. And even just yelling fire, if nothing happens, you're probably not going to be uh, prosecuted for anything or you probably didn't even commit a crime. It's if you create enough harm, whatever it is. That's just one example, Harris Faulkner, of using your speech to do harm. Or you use your speech to hire a hitman. <gasps> That's against the law. And in this example, using your speech to scream fire and wrongfully stir people up into a freak out where someone gets hurt that can be something you're responsible for and that could have been you <laughs> violated the law that is so funny one more time just soak it up i wish i had as much pride saying everything i say as she does here saying something that's not as much of a, a zinger as she thought that it was it's interesting there though and i'm sure she is a, a great attorney Sanchez, but you do have the right to yell fire in a theater unless there's no fire. It's pretty simple oh. the way the law works. We're going <laughs> to. I'm feeling knots being created on my back. That's just oh, brutal. And then she ignores what is kind of an interesting conversation because I'm sure the comparison that was being made when talking about censorship and Republicans and RFK Jr. concerned about social media platforms censoring and I should be able to say all my conspiracy theories. And the comparison that was likely being made is similar to how under our constitution, uh, you can still cross a line within the country when it comes to your free speech. You can still cross a line and no longer be protected by the First Amendment. But uh, Social media platforms, they're not subjected to the First Amendment, but we have to have a similar conversation there. What balance do we want to be struck? Because you do want to consider harm and minimizing harm on your platform. 
from people's speech, but you also don't want to over censor. And so what is that balance? Private companies can make their decisions on that and the First Amendment doesn't apply to them um, as it pertains to freedom of speech because they are not the government and the government is the one that is regulated by that. But still, we want a platform that kind of gives you some freedom to speak and then also minimizes harm and it's a balance. And so that conversation is ignored by Harris Faulkner completely there. Democratic Congressman Ted Lieu stood up on the House floor and made a statement that's just really incredible um, and on point about something specifically he's responding to Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy saying about Trump's legal troubles. But he's addressing a larger talking point that we're dealing with constantly, and he did it in a really effective fashion. And it's the talking point of if they, the radical left Marxist communist fascist, can go after Trump, then they can go after you. And Trump's just standing in the way of you being indicted. And he's the hero and the victim. And Ted Lieu points out, I guess when you say they could go after you like they're going after Trump, and the fact that they're going after Trump proves that they could go after you. Yeah, if you do what Trump did, <laughs> exactly. You're exactly right. And uh, I like the way that he broke this down. Take a look. Recently, Speaker McCarthy stated that if the Department of Justice can prosecute Donald Trump, then, quote, they can do that to any American, end quote. Speaker McCarthy is absolutely correct. If the Department of Justice can prosecute Donald Trump for unlawfully retaining top secret classified documents that put American lives at risk and sharing those documents with random people, then yes, the Department of Justice can prosecute you for unlawfully retaining top secret classified documents and sharing them with random people because you are not above the law and neither is Donald Trump. Ah, uh, exactly right. If you do all the things that Trump did, we should all want you to be held accountable under the law. Of course, of course. If you held on to national defense secrets and then after multiple requests from the government, demands from the uh, federal authorities did not turn these documents over and then lied to federal authorities, conspired with your staffers to keep the documents out of the hands of federal authorities. And then after saying that you didn't have these documents any longer, they found them after a lawful raid. Indeed, you should be prosecuted for that too. And it so many of these perceptions of the Trump indictments, um, in particular, the classified documents one, and then we're waiting for the upcoming uh, second federal one, is just perceiving it all backwards. Because one of the other talking points is this shows the justice system is broken, Trump's prosecution. No, it shows that finally it's actually working when it comes to powerful, influential people like Donald Trump. For so long, we had a situation where someone like Donald Trump, no matter what he did to an extent, he would be able to get away with it in so many cases, much more often than someone who is less powerful and less prominent would be able to. That's not happening here. When we say no one should be ab uh, above the law, that's what we're seeing play out with Donald Trump. And that is good. That is the justice system actually working here. And it's really sad because People buy into this. And when I talk to Trump supporters at rallies, you can see in their face, they have this emotional buy-in to the idea that Trump's standing in the way of their own harm, of them being harmed. And they think that he's this incredible hero victim and it's just wrong. And then he's grifting them out of money to pay for his legal defense and his legal fees and all of that. He's grifting them and making them think that he's serving them. It's ridiculous and so sad and enraging but that's what we deal with and so at least we have people like democratic congressman ted Lieu to call it out during a recent interview republican senator lindsey graham made quite the case for why republicans should get back <laughs> not actually the majority in the senate and i want to show this to you imagine this sounding uh good Imagine this sounding appealing, what Lindsey Graham is about to lay out. So he's saying, all right, right now Republicans have the majority in the House. We should get it after 2024 in the Senate. Vote us in. And why? Because we're going to do this 
take a look. Yeah, I think uh, if you're worried about the slide to socialism, you're not crazy. If you believe there's a two-tiered two justice system where the Bidens get away with stuff and they come after Trump and make stuff up, the dossier was fake, the laptop was real, you can't trust FBI, DOJ anymore. Well, what to do about it? If we have a Republican-controlled Senate, just two more votes, then we can stop all the crazy stuff. You know, Grassley be in charge of judiciary, I'll be in charge of budget. We can call these people into the Senate. What happened to the allegation that Hunter and Joe Biden had a conversation with a guy in Ukraine, a Burisma gas official, about money? It was investigated and is still being investigated left, right, forward, backwards, and evidence, evidence hasn't been brought forward to prove what you're saying. And the guy who was investigating this for quite a while, a Giuliani crony, who was trying to get this dirt for Trump's campaign, proving the allegation that Lindsey Graham is referring to there, wrote a letter to James Comer saying, dude, I tried to find evidence of that. There's no merit. It's a goose chase. Where did it go? How did it get disposed of? Mm. I can't ask those questions until I'm in charge. So if you want to have an insurance policy against socialism and accountability, uh, make sure we win the Senate in 2020. Indeed, indeed. So the normal stuff about socialism, but then he says, essentially, hey, you know how House Republicans got the majority in 2022? and took over in 2023 and everything that they've been doing has pretty much consisted of politically motivated attacks against biden and the doj and running interference for donald trump and uh, investigation after investigation hearing after hearing proving nothing wasting time and not addressing actual issues for the american people <laughs> we'll do that we'll do more of that which to contextualize this just today i've had three segments about uh Republican-led hearings just from the last 24 hours. And that is all they're doing, it seems, within Congress. They're not actually trying to address real issues, meaningful issues in the lives of their constituents. It's all these political stunts trying to further their political ambitions by uh, targeting Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. And again, it would be okay if they actually had something to go off of actual corruption that was a concern but they haven't proven anything it's been absurd and uh it's been a waste of time and lindsey graham is putting forward the selling point to the american people of we'll, ha we'll have that going double time if house republicans keep the majority and we get the majority in the senate that's all you will be hearing about doesn't sound good to me hopefully the american people agree Thank you all so much for watching and listening to today's show. I will see you tomorrow.